1: biblical Christianity face-to-face. This is Salt Lake City. I'm Sean McCraney, your host. If you're watching on the NRB National Network, Direct TV Channel 378, or if you're listening on Radio AM 820, The Truth, KUTR, here in the Salt Lake area, we welcome you. You're not going to believe this. These are all from one woman. All all of these kids. And they're all from a great family from Springville. We're going to introduce them. First, we have Mark. Raise your hand. Mark is 14, we have Kobe, 12, we have Landon, 11, we have Riley, 10, and we have Gloria. And they are, uh, Gloria is 9. They're about to move to Colorado after serving the Lord here in Springville, so this is their last week here and their parents thought, let's bring them up there, they're pastor's children, so they are just the best children on earth, we know that. (laughs) And they have something, each of them have a little message they're going to leave for their family or friends or whatever. So we're going to go with Mark first.
2: Hi, Jackson.
1: Jackson. All right. We're going with Kobe. Hi, viewers. Hi, viewers. Landon. Hi, Uncle David and Christy. Very nice. Uh, Riley. Hi, Tracy and Sierra. Very good. And Gloria. Hi, Grammy and Grancy. Oh, The youngest ones are always the cutest, aren't they? (laughs) And then, Mark, you're 14. Are there any women in your life these days? No. Good answer! Good answer! All right, you guys. Thanks for coming on. Watch Heart of the Matter right now online through streaming video anywhere in the world. Go to www.hotn and click her up, and you will be on watching anywhere. Sundays, two things to enrich your day. You ready? Besides your church... Uh, From 1 to 2 p.m., Heart of the Matter is replayed on AM 820, The Truth. So most likely you'll be getting the car to listen to that. So why don't you start the engine, start steering toward University of Utah. And we have a never denominational, open to all Bible study, verse by verse. We started in the book of Acts. We're moving through that. You can go to www.calvarycampus.com for more information about times and directions. In less than two weeks, up-and-coming events, Burning Heart 2010 at the Bountiful City Park, September 4th from 5 to 9. Um, Music by Good Shepherd Lutheran, worship band, special musical guests, uh, Adams Road. There's our 2010 uh, logo and a four-course Subway Eat Fresh. Boxed meal for only $4. Dollar. So uh, we're going to do open water baptisms, a message from moi, and cool stuff for sale. Saturday, September 4th, 5 to 9 p.m., our fifth annual Burning Heart event. We hope you'll join us then on Thursday, September 9th at Weber State University in the Ogden area. God Uncomplicated is partnering with Weber State University's InterVarsity Christian Fellowship to host the Ignite the Heart Back to School Rally. I'm speaking, so the event is free. I mean, who would actually pay money to come and see? We've said that. And uh, the event is open to all college-age students. So all you got to do is go to uh, www.goduncomplicated.com and get more uh, information like how to register. Listen, our Burning Heart revival, like I said, is going to be on Saturday, September 4th, and we we have a very popular band known as Adams Road that are going to come out and play. Now, I am really quite... Uh, particular about the things that we endorse on the program, especially as a believer, and uh, I'm not real big on adapting elements of modern Christian culture. Uh, the The reason is personal; it has nothing to do with what I deem right or wrong. But with this being said, however, from the first time I heard this band, I knew that they had a serious ministry to LDS people. And uh, why? Because Adam Road consists Adam's Road consists of a whole bunch of talented young men who are not only devout Christians, but who are, for the most part, returned LDS missionaries. And they have a great story. Their ministry is based on the universal language, which we call music, and they share the truth of Jesus Christ through their music and spoken word. Sometimes their music even compares things in Mormonism. God takes us and uses our talents in many good ways. These guys are astounding representatives for the Lord Jesus Christ and for people who are uh, coming out of Mormonism. Can we see this, Derek? Can you focus in on that? This is their latest CD, and uh, what is it called? What's it called? Enemy of the Cross, and you can see the, the missionaries there standing, uh, sitting under the cross, doing the can't, don't look, don't speak, don't hear. Those are the members of the band. You can get information on Adams Road by going to www.adamsroadband.com, like where you can purchase those CDs, where they're gonna be touring in Salt Lake, Utah, all of Utah, everything like that. Well, by now, you have probably seen them, maybe more than one. The LDS Church has launched a new media campaign The television ads go something like this, for example, they open up and there's a guy talking or a woman messing around in the house or a guy goofing off in his garage and then the guy comes and he kickstarts his Harley motorcycle or the girl grabs her surfboard or a woman goes and makes an executive decision and, and then they start building on their base skills in these different commercials. And then they get specific. There's one a female black ophthalmologist, and then there's this female surfer, and another guy who's a business owner with his wife, and a lady who left a career in broadcasting to be a mom, and another guy's a sculptor uh, who, uh, who loves motorcycles. And in each of the commercials, it, they end it with the person highlighting something about themselves. They would say, well, I'm Su- Susan, and I, uh, I love to surf, and I love the outdoors, and I love my family. And then they all end the commercial with, and i 'm a Mormon okay so it's this it 's this thing to show all these mo- uh, these Mormons in different venues of life and how they're all acceptable and they're all surprisingly enough a Mormon now this national campaign has been out for a while and I little I've known about it but in the past shows I have not been able to come up, figure out how to articulate a response to it I sit there dumbfounded watching those things and trying to figure out exactly what's going on and then it kind of came to me the the biggest issue I have with the commercials is that they are commercials to get people to become Mormon. That's the biggest issue I have with it. I had to really kind of sit there and cry and realize what, what it was that, that bothered me. And that's the first problem, which is not a Christian faith. And they are luring people into a counterfeit faith of bondage. Um, secondly, I find the people they are highlighting to be extreme ex- uh, exceptions and not the rule. The the LDS love to highlight their exceptions of members of the church. The Gladys Knights, the uh, Donnie and Marie Osmonds, the uh, Mitt Romney's. They love that, the guy who won the the Jeopardy thing. They love to uh, highlight who their top exceptional Mormons are, this news broadcaster who left a career to be a mom. Uh, Then they sort of parlay this desire to be known and loved into a kind of these arrogant ads which say, Hey, Mormons are cool, you know, um, because we're accomplished and we're contributing members of the community. It's okay to join us because we like surfing and we like motorcycles and we have families. But what are those commercials truly conveying? What do the ads honestly state that Mormons are like the rest of the normative world? Is that what they have spent all this money on to let people know that Mormons are just like the world? And, and, and um, that it's okay to know or to be a Mormon or to vote for a Mormon president? Is this all about this thing to help them see how normal Mormons are? Is this what God wants people in his flock to be represented as? Is that they surf or that they were famous uh, or that they are worldly? I mean, in one of those ads, there's this guy who's a businessman with his wife and he says, people say less is more. I say, more is more. I mean, that guy literally says that in the commercial for to be a Mormon in the Mormon church. Just imagine if somehow biblical followers, true biblical followers came together, were able to pony up enough money to do a national ad campaign using the same template that the Mormons are using, okay? What would it look like? I'm going to use myself as it, okay? It would look like this. Sean McCraney's is eating breakfast with his kids. And it probably, it is, is grabbing cereal and throwing it in the bowl and trying to get some milk in there and rushing to go. It doesn't look so picture perfect. The house isn't as clean as you'd think. And Sean says, you know, I used to really care what people thought of me. I, I like to look like I was the best dad on earth and the greatest husband in the world. I wanted them to look up to me. And Sean gets in his uh, car and he starts to drive. And he says, I used to want to be accepted by everyone. I wanted them to think I was, you know, normal and cool and and to look up to me. And Sean then gets out of the car and he puts on a, a Burger King outfit. Okay, And Sean goes into the Burger King and he says, you know, how much money I made in my profession was really important to me. I mean, what I did was really important to how people saw me. So I really cared about looking professional and keeping big, important jobs. And then after work, Sean pulls up to a, uh, a Christian church with a giant cross in front of it. And Sean sits down to it and he says, and then the Lord showed me what a phony I was and uh, how everything I did from the cars and the homes I had to the church positions I held were nothing but a front for my proud heart and a life of trying to worship God and money and myself. And then God told me how I was pretending and that I was using the things of the world, my job and my money and my church attendance, even my family, to appear accomplished and respectable and cool. Then it shows Sean on his knees, and he broke me. And he showed me what a fool I have been. And he took my sin and he gave me new life. And then maybe the commercial would end with, my name is Sean McCraney. And uh, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. And I'm a Christian. You know, And maybe that would be the way you would hear a real Christian do it. But you watch these commercials and they are pawning off to get a man in office, to be integrated into the evangelical community so they can steal sheep and make them Mormons. And it is a duplicitous and deceptive thing. And with that, let's have a prayer. (laughs) Lord, I hope you'll hear my prayer. But you know my passion for you in this subject. And we just pray, God, that you will come and you'll help uh, me as I present these words, whatever of you, that they'll stay. Those that are not will just fly away. And we pray you'll uh, bless our audiences live and out in TV land and on the internet and through the national show and through the radio and everything else, God, we love you and we pray eyes will open, ears will hear, hearts will soften, they will be converted and then healed. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. Quick glass of water. Our program tonight is about the law. One of the major differences which I have personally experienced between being a faithful Latter day Saint and being a faithful Christian is the weight and the burden and the yoke that comes with being what is hailed a faithful Mormon, and the liberty that comes from being a faithful Christian. Now, there are some long, drawn-out, ridiculous arguments that go on between Latter-day Saints, especially online and in blogs, that they are now saying they believe we are saved by grace. The bloggers are saying it, the LDS missionaries are saying it, all part of like this national campaign. We are saved by grace, and grace alone, they'll say. You see, they want acceptance, like I said, into this world. As in the case with this national ad campaign, the perception Mormonism presents to the world is not congruent with the reality nor with their official doctrine. Let's take the idea of salvation by grace, okay? Mormonism has 13 articles of faith. Pinned by their founding prophet, Joseph Smith, and any and every active Latter-day Saint knows that these statements capture the essentials of their faith. Number three, article of faith number three reads, we believe that all mankind may be saved by obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel. In other words, it's saying we members of the Mormon church believe that who? All mankind may be what? Saved by what? Grace? No. By obedience to the laws and ordinances of the LDS gospel. Hear this clearly, please. Christianity is emphatic that all mankind may be saved by faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ alone. Period. End of story. But Mormonism, which claims to be Christian, officially states that all mankind may be saved by obedience to the laws and ordinances of the LDS gospel, end quote. Aside from the fact that this third article of faith is absolutely in conflict with biblical Christianity, there are other big problems with it, and those problems can actually be terrifying. First, what does it mean to actually be obedient? All mankind may be saved by obedience. If a parent was to sit down with a child at the beginning of the year, January 1st, and say, listen, the only acceptance expectation I have for you, son, is this, that you never leave the house without making your bed. That's what I expect you to do throughout this year. Will you do it? Yes, I will, dad. That's all I want you to do. Make your bed every day before you leave the house. Now, um, what if the child every single day makes his bed before he leaves the house except one? Is the child obedient to the parent's annual demand? No. The child was not obedient. He was good, he tried, but he, he had a failure to obey. He was disobedient. Um, obedience is sort of like virginity and pregnancy and cancer. You either are pregnant or you're not, you either are a virgin or you're not, or you either have cancer or you don't. And you are either obedient or you are not obedient. Now listen carefully. If people are saved by obedience to something like laws and ordinances and not by faith in someone who is obedient in their place, then their salvation is predicated on their ability to obey requirements perfectly. But the problem is none of us, nobody ever, ever, ever has been obedient. To really bring matters home, very few human beings can actually get through a day in their life without being disobedient to God's perfect law in one way or another. Don't fool yourselves. No matter who you are, you are disobedient to God more often than you can believe. In fact, let's take this to an extreme which comes out of the Bible. Let's suppose you are one of these types who just has everything right in their life and they don't deal with outward sin very much at all. You have decided in this state that you're gonna follow Joseph Smith's thing that you're gonna be saved by obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel. You don't envy, you never are hateful, you don't gossip, you never lust, you never lie, you hold your tongue, you love God and your neighbor, excuse me, oh, sorry, Uh, and... uh, You never mess up in your life, ever, except once. Once you messed up in your life. Guess what? That one sin, that one act of disobedience makes it as if you have been disobedient to all of God's commands. Did you know that? Don't believe me? Look to James 2.10. It says, for whoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. I didn't say this, God said this. Now, why did God say this uh, in the first place? Because he wants you to understand that you cannot save yourself by obedience to any set of laws or ordinances. Human obedience is impossible, so therefore all of us are found disobedient by God. He wants you to understand that. Even the very devoted and dedicated Jews failed to be obedient. You see, God gave the children of Israel, his covenant people, a series of laws at one time, and um, they were not obeyed. So why were the laws given in the first place? Paul tells us that in Galatians 3.24, "...wherefore the law was our schoolmaster, to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith." This verse tells us that the very presence of God's laws show that we are in dire need of a Savior. That's amazing. The law was there to show how disobedient we are if we are honest. And in the face of this disobedience, we ought to really embrace the Savior as our one source of salvation. If you're really honest and see how much you sin, then God says that law upon you when you see yourself as a sinner ought to lead you to the cross and to fall and say, Jesus, help me because there's nothing I can do. This is the first crime in placing people under law. In so doing, it it removes the total need for Jesus in their arrogant minds. They actually look at the things they do and they think that somehow God is approving of them because of the things they're doing. That is one of the problems with mixing law in with Christ. Another uh, crime, placing law into the lives of believers, is that it burdens them. In the book of Acts, the apostles are all together and they're deciding among themselves what aspects of the law, the Old Testament law, they should bring in and heap upon Believers in Christ. And Peter stands up and he says something really important. He says, Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Notice that Peter says that the rules and rituals and other elements of the law, to take them and place them on the back of believers of Christ would be like placing a yoke upon their neck. A yoke, he adds, that neither their fathers, the Old Testament prophets and, 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 and believers, that they couldn't obey and that neither the apostles could obey when they were under it. Have you ever been in a religion that places a yoke or a burden upon your back? Have you ever had a bishop or a pastor or somebody place something on your back? Even if it's just one thing or even if it's many things, Have you ever experienced this? Well, this is a really awful thing to do because Jesus took it all away from us once and for all. And what imagery does this lawful yoke placed on on people's back convey? Bondage, right? And heavy labor and earning and yearning and pulling and striving to make God pleased with us. For what? Do we think that we're going to make God love us more? Receive us to be our God? Is this the kind of God you want to know one who um, you are forced to constantly prove your love to for him so he'll accept you down the line? Thanks, Brent. He told me this sounds like a mean stepfather, not a loving first father. A friend of mine told me that today and it, it rang true. A third reason placing law in the lives of believers is it takes what Jesus has already done for us and puts it back into the hands of sinful man. Jesus came and he fulfilled the law. He suffered, he bled, he died. He says, look to me, have faith, and I will do it all. And instead, people who take the law and put it back in, they say, let my sinful hands start manipulating my own salvation. He bore the yoke for us, my friends, and the burden, and he did it through his obedience. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5.21. For God has made Jesus to be sin for us, who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Do you understand this? That it is through His righteousness and our faith upon Him that we are deemed righteous. That's where we get our righteousness. Listen to Romans 5 9. Now listen, listen to this because it's one of the verses that really lays out everything. It says, For as by one man's disobedience, that's talking about Adam, Many were made sinners. That's talking about me and you, okay? So by the obedience of one, that's talking about Jesus, shall many be made righteous. Our righteousness comes by believing in him and his righteousness, not our own. Because Jesus fulfilled the law on our behalf and shed his blood for the same, we are made righteous and uh, we are not there to earn it because of laws or obedience to principles or obedience to ordinances. And then what is the result of believing on Jesus alone? He said it himself in Matthew eleven twenty nine. He says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is Light. The Bible also makes it clear that through our faith on Jesus and what he did, not through our obeying ordinances and laws, that saves us from the condemnation of having been disobedient to God. Listen, this is the opposite of Mormon teachings. Romans 3.28. Listen to these passages as we just go through them. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Romans 10, 4, for Christ is the end of the law uh, for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Romans 8, 3 through 4, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh But after the Spirit, Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Galatians 2.21, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree. Finally, my friends, and this is heavy, folks, but an extremely dangerous effect of adding obedience to laws and ordinances on a Christian's life or on people's lives is that by their attempting to live the law, actually will serve to keep them in a state of sin. This is really an important biblical idea to understand. How does it do this? Because it keeps us constantly guilty. You see, if you are dead to the law, then it has no power on you. If you do not follow and obey the law, but you obey Christ, The law has no effect upon you, and you are free from sin. We are dead to the law, but alive in Christ. Listen to these verses, Romans 3.20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Listen to this line. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. Okay, you understand that? By the law is the knowledge of sin. If that parent never gave the kid the one expectation to make his bed every day before leaving the house, the kid would never be disobedient because there is no law for him to break. If you are dead to the law, there is nothing to keep you in sin, nothing to make you guilty. Do you understand how the law works to prove your guilt, not to make you better? This is what the, why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 56, listen, the sting of death is sin. This is a great line. And the strength of sin is the law. The strength of our sins is in our following that law. Listen, uh, you go to Romans six fourteen, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law. But under grace, how can sin rule your life? How can you be constantly under the burden and guilt and remorse and stuff of sin if you are under the grace of God which by that love that you're given because of the grace that you're given you don't want to sin anymore. But when you're under law and you say I can't do this, I can't do this, I'm so ashamed, I'm so guilty, I'm not supposed to do this, this is the law. You are constantly uh, roiling in a state of sin, repentance, sin, repentance. The law convicts you. It makes you a sinner. Grace does not. Romans 7, 6, but we are now delivered from the law and being dead wherein we were held that we should serve in newness of spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. What does the LDS article of faith do to people? It keeps them in sin and it keeps them dead in their sin. The sin may be the, the, one of the worst sins of all, pride and arrogance. They think they're without sin by obeying the laws and ordinances in the Mormon gospel. They are actually more sinful because they can't keep it all, but they go to God saying, look it, I obeyed your law this much. He's going to say you obeyed it this much. You're guilty of all of it. You didn't come to the solution I sent for you. That was my son in his blood. Before we go to the phones, listen, one more Romans For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Paul gives a stern warning to people who live their lives by the law after receiving Jesus, saying in Galatians 5, 4, Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. Fallen. So you go and you say, well, I believe in Jesus and I know his grace helps me out, but I'm going to obey these laws. You're going to die and you're going to say, God's going to say, what did you do to enter into uh, life with me? And, he's, and you're going to say, well, I obeyed your laws and ordinances of the gospel. You did, did you? Well, that was never my plan. I sent my son to take care of those laws and ordinances. Who do you think you are? You sinful wretch. Who do you think you are? You don't think I know your heart when you're looking on that woman? You don't think I know what you're doing when you're lying to your business partners? You don't think I know the pride that's in you, that deep pride in your heart, and you're telling me you have obeyed the laws and ordinances which the Jews, my my covenant people, couldn't even do? Go to hell! That's probably what he would say. And we're trying to tell you, don't do this. He sent his son to give you freedom to give you grace, to give you life and liberty, and not to be confounded again by these laws and ordinances of the gospel. Christ Jesus did it for all. Look to him, be free, be liberated. Cease your disobedience that comes by embracing the law and thinking that then God will embrace you. Let's open up the phones, 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. First time callers, please lds callers if at all possible and turn your tv sets down we have a partners program it helps us pay our bills if you can be a partner it's great if you're a friend and you submit funds to us thank you so much if you can't do any funds we understand if you can pray for us we thank you we're going to watch the partner spot we'll come back and take your calls all right grab a pencil just grab something to write with Um, we have tried to do this spot several times. I don't even know what time of day it is anymore. I've been sitting here so long and, but what we are want to tell you is heart of the matter has been blessed greatly in trying to reach people with the message of Jesus Christ, especially those who are in the LDS church. We contend for the faith each and every week for five years. We have hundreds of programs, and by the grace of God, the fruit has been plentiful, and we're seen all over the world. But this medium that we've chosen called TV is very expensive, and we need you to help us stay on the air. So there are ways that you can do it, and we want you to partner with us. That's what we're asking you to do. So write this phone number down, 888-868-4686. You can also go online. You can go to www.hotm.tv. Or you can write us at Alathia Ministries, 4760 Highland Drive, number 515, Salt Lake City, Utah, 84117. Again, let me give you that information. You can call us at 888-868-4686. You can sign up to be a partner by going online at hotm.tv. Or you can write us at Alathia Ministries, 4760 Highland Drive, number 515, Salt Lake City, Utah, 84117. The Lord has taken this in spite of the host, in spite of the technical inability for me to get this partner's program down right. But we need you, and if he inclines your heart and you're interested, please contact us and help us keep the program on the air. God bless you. Let's get to the most important question first. Somebody off air wants to know what the first image of the intro is that looks like leaves. And uh, that's mud that's cracked in the sun. So, (laughs) listen, from someone named Chalk, and this is, I just pulled out, I have a stack of emails here, and this one says, just wondering what your thoughts are on something. Being a member of the church all my life, I've always felt I was never good enough. Like the church wanted me to be perfect that I could never measure up to what they wanted me to be. So because I have not been perfect, I have sinned, and the main thing I struggle with every day is guilt. I feel so guilty for these things that the LDS say are serious and some of the worst sins you can ever commit. You know what I mean, chastity issues. So my question is this, do you believe that the LDS Church teaches their members to feel guilty or this guilt comes to control members' actions or do you think that I am bringing this guilt upon myself? Well, you're gonna feel guilty, again like we were talking about in the law, for uh, things that you have been taught are right and wrong. You also have a conscience and when you sin, and you still are going to sin, you're still going to sin in your flesh, you are going to find yourself feeling distant. But I want you to know, if you are a Christian, and you believe in Jesus Christ, that that distancing that you feel is not him leaving you. It's, this, it's Satan taking your sin and using it against you to move you away from him. Because once you become a Christian and you're saved by grace, Satan's whole job upon you is to render you ineffective. It's to make you take your your problems and your sins and say, well, I might as well just give up. And then he's rendered you as a believer ineffective. Your salvation, yes, you're gonna go to heaven, but you're gonna be an ineffective Christian. Your rewards will be few. Your your fruit will be little. So guilt is appropriate when sin has occurred, but you take it to God. And when was that sin paid for? 2,000 years ago, past, present, future, done, gone. And you say, God, forgive me for my faithlessness, for my trust in you. Stay with me, Lord. I am going to trust you even in the face of my sin. Help me overcome my sin. You see, that's the difference. The guilt, if it start, if Satan start uses it to, to take you away, it's guilt that he's using. But if God is getting you to, re, to repent of the thing and saying, hey, change up. Come on, come back around. Let's go. That's a good thing. All right? So it's kind of a mixed answer. We're going to go to um, Ray in Syracuse. He is LDS. Ray, you're on Heart of the Matter. Sean, how are you? I'm doing well, and that sound is good, audio. I'm doing really well.
3: <laughs> OK, this is Lequimia Ray, and I'm still alive and kicking.
1: Well, I'm so glad.
3: OK, well, listen, I, want, I want to, was wondering why you won't answer and discuss my biblical questions. I've had uh, three of them over the years.
1: When did you propose them to me?
3: Um, at different shows over the time.
1: And I haven't talked to you on the air
3: yeah or s- twice you said you'd address them the following week but you didn't
1: all right give me one now I'll do it now
3: uh, okay the, um, um well okay let, let me get, get it to you right here it, it was um it was two questions uh, Jesus himself said um uh um uh, Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained.
1: To Peter and So
3: and the other one, you know, he said, you know, um you know, to Peter he'll build his church on his rock and, and he says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom. So Jesus himself has put men, called of God, between him and, and um and mankind,
1: okay, so there's your premise. Let me answer it, okay, Ray? Okay, That's your this- question. No, let me answer it. You, I just let you have all the time to explain it. That's it, Great. Now, now. I get to answer it, okay?
3: Wonderful,
1: wonderful. Okay, Jesus, He established and He picked 12 men to be witnesses of everything He did, and those men they witnessed His resurrection, they witnessed His ascension, they were taught by Him. Jesus said, go out and share this gospel with everybody. And what you decide once the Holy Spirit has fallen upon you and you're full of the Holy Spirit day of Pentecost and you're establishing things the way they should go, whatever you do, that's what we're going to do. I'm going to agree to that. Why could Jesus say that to them? Because it was the Holy Spirit making the decisions through those men, which is God. So Jesus could say that. It wasn't like something about these men who are sitting up in in North Temple uh, making decisions about where to put a stake and whether you should have a piercing or not, it was about Jesus with his special witnesses that he said, listen, start my church out. Now, we discovered this. One of, the, one of the miracles of that church was speaking in tongues, which meant speaking in the languages of the people around. So he sent them out into the world. And Paul said, I speak tongues greater than anybody. So Paul, he goes out and he speaks to all these different countries and he shares the gospel with them. Once those first first-hand witnesses were gone... The gospel of Jesus Christ is moving out now by the Holy Spirit. It's not a centralized church, my friend. It is a church of believers in Asia, in Persia, in Jerusalem, in America, in England. And it is not a centralized focus like you're trying to make it seem. That's not biblical. That's totally biblical. That's all the Bible. It's completely the Bible. You are, what what do you mean it's not biblical? What did I say that was not biblical?
3: You're putting your spin on it. They You're putting your spin on it. Church.
1: But my spin is agreed with by Bible scholars throughout the world. Your spin is agreed on it by LDS people who say, I feel this is probably true. Do you see the difference? Oh, so
3: you, you do follow men then, Bible scholars.
1: No, I don't. There's, There's men I disagree traditions. with. There's men I disagree with. But bottom line, the consensus is by men who study the language and what it actually in the book itself tells us. This is what happened.
3: Well, not, not so, you know, because even on, you wouldn't address the okay. 37. No, and in, in the, in the we're new staying English on Bible. one
1: topic. No, 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 we're staying on one topic.
3: Okay, okay. Explain Let's stay, stay to me, topic, ex- yeah.
1: explain to me then what you're talking about, what your point of view is.
3: My point of view is that, that God throughout time has called prophets. Uh, okay, stop to, right there.
1: Stop right there. Are you telling me, what about the 400 years where there were no prophets?
3: There, there's, been times, there's been times in history Wait, where,
1: where there was... The, the Mormons say there's always been a prophet on the earth. God would not, God loves his children today. That's why there's a prophet. God loved his children of old. That's why there was prophets. What about the 400 years that, God, that the heavens were silent, the intertestamentary period? Why?
3: When the people reject God, the heavens are silent. that there are people, you know... But like God, and, so,
1: and so the people have rejected God, so God stopped to speak. Didn't the children of Israel reject God throughout their history, but He continued to speak to them?
3: He did put, allow them to go into bondage, but He did deliver them as He promised Abraham. Okay, speak that He would deliver them.
1: Speaking of, you're, you're building a te- you're building an argument for prophets now. You're saying that Peter, that God has always worked through prophets, and He's going to continue to work through prophets. How do you explain Hebrews one one? God, who in different times and in diverse manners spake in times past. Unto the fathers by the prophets. Has in these last days, Ray, spoken unto us by his son. How do you reconcile that? that and how do you reconcile when Jesus said the law and the prophets were up until John? How do you e- reconcile that?
3: Easy, easy. There was prophets after Jesus. In the Bible, there are many people, even a prophet went up to Paul or, or to Paul and prophesied that Paul would go to um, to. to Rome, I think, or, or Peter, there's,
1: I have uh, several. They have the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy is not uh, disagreed with by Christians. But what's the need for of a prophet like unto Moses, like Joseph Smith called himself, to be on this earth today? For,
3: for the unity of the church. Do you, I give you a pro, apostles and prophets for the perfecting of the saints, you know, until there's
1: unity in the church. But, Ray, he gave Christians. us, the, Ray, he gave us the, the prophets. That's what we have in the Old Testament and people with the gift of prophecy then. He gave us apostles, people sent forth, both his ones he called and the ones out today who are sent forth. What are you talking about? Why do you think that, about, Why do you think that your prophet and 12 apostles up there who are not first-hand witnesses of Christ's resurrection, why do you think that they are the ones, and, you, and you're saying that the ones that all the Christians believe in are false?
3: Some of them are first-hand witnesses, some of them have who? business experiences. Who. Uh, um, se- several of them I have, who? I have I have it written down. I have written down their experience with the
1: Savior. Ray, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. This, is really, this is really gets people angry, and I'm sure it angers God, Ray, and not at you. Those apostles that Jesus called, they were, they were boiled in oil. They were beheaded. They were crucified upside down. They were tortured, put in jail, beaten for their witness of his resurrected body. And they were not afraid to share that they had seen him resurrected and ascend. These guys you're talking about, how come they don't make that same testimony today from general conference? Instead, they write a little. Not to
3: cast your pearls before swine.
1: Do they do it before you? My personal experience. Do they do it before you? You're a member of their church. Do they tell you they have seen Jesus? That they're a witness of his ascension and resurrection? Some of them have. You are lying. Writing. There is some not one alive today who has ever said that. Not one. Don't say I, some I, of them. None of them today have ever said that. I'll email them to you. Yo, I, I don't care about your emails. You are absolutely wrong, and you know why they don't say it? Because they are not that diabolical, and they know that they can't say it, honestly. Jay, we've had a good discussion. I hope you feel, you're, you're, you got some arguments, that's good, but they're foolish. And you're going to follow those guys and believe they're your 12 apostles and that, that you're your prophet? I have my prophet, priest, and king. You can follow well, that one. I'll follow mine. You know what,
3: Sean, you're misrepresenting. Even your subject tonight, you're, you're misrepresenting. How's that? When, when you leave out the first part of the third article of faith, we I, believe that through the atonement of Christ, all mankind may be saved by obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel of Jesus Christ.
1: Okay, you you added to it. If I took away from it, you added to it. Okay,
3: I did clarify it. You added to it. At the end of it, I did clarify the gospel.
1: Okay, so you get to add, but but I can't take away. Look at Jay. You can believe it, Ray. Go believe it. You know, I'm just trying to share what the Bible says. You can say I'm wrong go believe it go pay your tithes you're, go to your you're, temple you're being deceptive i'm you're not being deceptive. deceptive i am laying out exactly what is taught and what it is i'm not being deceptive no. okay wait a minute we well,
3: believe I... through the atonement of christ
1: okay through the atonement of christ what
3: all mankind may be saved by obedience to the laws and ordinances of the gospel what, what did i leave what is out the gospel what and what is the gospel
1: it's found in the bible what is the gospel to you
3: it is sprinkled in the Bible, but it's a lot more clear in the Book of Mormon.
1: I'm glad you said that. Let me ask you something, Ray. Ray? Ray, you can keep going on. You can, we can quibble about words, okay? We can quibble and everything else. Bottom line, Ray, have you been to the temple? Yes, uh-huh. Why do you go and do the New and Everlasting Covenant? Why do you go? Have you been sealed in the temple, Ray? Yes, I have. Why?
3: Why? Because I'm faithing in Jesus Christ.
1: That's faith in Jesus Christ?
3: Yes.
1: It, okay. Yes, that, the, I'm
3: saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. Oh, okay. Those are, my, those are my acts of faith.
1: Those are your acts of faith. Okay, do those... Do, Bruce, wait, do, even, do those acts, no, wait, do those acts save you?
3: Of course not. Jesus okay, Christ... Okay, stop.
1: Then but what... I mean, wait, stop. Then what is the obedience to what laws and what ordinances of the gospel? what what obedience are we talking about here then ray
3: you've got it confused jesus says i give you a new commandment commandment to love love one another
1: okay what does that have to do with you going and marrying a girl in your robes in a temple
3: because that is jesus also gives commandments only moses wasn't the only one that gives commandments. jesus
1: gave one single new commandment love one another how does that fit in with going to masonic rituals in a temple
3: I am saving. Those things came by revelation. To who? To Joseph Smith, and he had witnesses.
1: So we got, he had witnesses he, of what? His revelation? Yes. <laughs> you're cracking me up, man. The longer we go on, we'll just keep going on. I mean, this is going to be Send a highlight written. reel. Because you're, just keep, you're digging yourself deeper. What is the obedience that you have to have to what laws and ordinances of the gospel? What obedience are you talking about to be saved? obedience to God in what way give it list them for me what do what do I have to do you say it's by obedience to these laws and these ordinances tell me tell the audience Ray to
3: love one another and you need
1: to settle down okay wait no I'm uh, we're getting to something now and now you're telling me to settle down now I'm settling down Ray to love one is that That's it? better is that That's it? better okay thank you for your condolences is that it just love one another Ray
3: to follow Jesus. Okay,
1: according to who?
3: According to the prophets.
1: Which prophets, Ray? There's a, there's
3: a lot of them in the Bible, and there's even more in the prophets Bible. that are not even in the Bible. Okay, Ray,
1: let me ask you, do I, should, do I have to obey the Sabbath day? Is that one of the laws and, and ordinances of the gospel?
3: It will bring you closer to God. And I didn't ask you Sabbath that. Day.
1: I asked you if it is one of the laws and ordinances of the gospel.
3: My last temple recommend interview, I was not asked that.
1: I didn't ask That's you no. that. I'm asking you, is that one of the laws and ordinances of the gospel?
3: I do try and follow Jesus.
1: I'm not care. I'm asking you, do I have to obey the Sabbath day as LDS determinant in order to be have the laws and ordinances of the gospel fulfilled on my behalf? Yes or no?
3: People live the Sabbath day differently.
1: Uh, again, Ray, do, do please, you agree that Ray, you I'm do you asking think... you a simple yes or no question, and you know what? I'm going to make it easy for you. You go onto the LDS official website, and it says, these are the commandments of Jesus Christ, and they list, keeping the I, Sabbath I... day holy, Ray. They say, yes, I believe, wait, I wait, believe. wait, no, 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 no. You had your chance four times, and you neglected to answer, so I'm going to answer for you. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Pay your tithing 10%. That is a commandment, a law and ordinance you have to keep to be saved. Going to the temple, new and everlasting covenant. Do you want me to go on? There's about. You know, you're, twi- you're twisting it. How God. am I twisting it? Those
3: are acts of faith.
1: Whatever they are, do you have to do them?
3: Those are acts of
1: faith. Do you have to do them?
3: <laughs> no. One can keep all the commandments. That's why
1: exactly, Jesus came. exactly. So why are He's, you trying to keep them?
3: Because Jesus told us to, to be faithful.
1: Jesus told you I'll to I'll keep. Through, he told you to keep I'll, one I'll commandment, Jay. Testament. Jay, he told yep. you, to, Jay. He said his new commandment is one, and his commandment is to love one another. And I want to tell you the law, what that law does for you. And we're going to end with you right now, what that law does is that when you, Jay, are obeying the Sabbath day and somebody else is not, you don't love them. You look down on them and you think you're better. And so you start then breaking that rule that God gave. And when you start paying your tithe, but you find out your brother who lost his job isn't, you condemn him and the love of God is lost. And you find out that someone committed fornication, you don't love them. You say they are, they are unworthy and you start to then uh, judge. Okay, you see how it works? All right. We are going to uh, Lynette, first-time caller. Lynette, you're on Heart of the Matter. Oh, I am? You are.
0: Oh, hey, how you doing? Um, I was just listening to Ray, and my opinion is that he's LDS and he's on his way to hell. <laughs> but that's not my issue.
1: I think he's in hell. I don't think he's on oh the way.
0: Oh, my gosh. I, I cannot believe the, the, uh, what I was hearing. Anyway. Um, the mosque that they want to build in New York. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they're making comparisons. Alright. So, in the Tribune today, there was a comparison. How would the, the Meadow Massacre... How would they like a the temple to be built next to the Meadow Massacre? Yeah. You know? I, uh, I have some deep feelings
1: over this mosque. I don't know how you feel about it, Sean, but I don't think it should be there. Yeah. Uh, can you, can you Lynette, let me hang up. Me. Got, I'm going to try to catch up on some calls, and I'll, answer, I'll just kind of give my comment on it now, okay? Uh-huh. Okay. You, you watch through the show because I can still hear your TV on. Love you. Talk to you in a minute. You know what? In this fallen world, I don't care. I, I think it's a sacrilege. I think it's disgusting. I think, uh, but it's not my call. We, 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 we have the government we deserve. We have everything we deserve. So whatever. If, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. I have another obligation and another focus, and that is what every Christian obligation is, and that is to look to the cross and share it with everybody possible so that they can be free. And then, you know, I don't like it, but what, are we, what am I going to do? You know, we could say, well, we could start a thing. Fine, if you're led to do that, do it. But I personally don't care. I care about the cross of Christ and people being saved by his blood, okay? So let's go to Vanessa on line four. Vanessa, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi. Hi, Vanessa.
2: Hi. Um,
1: Got to turn your TV down, dear.
2: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Hello? You're on the air. Um... I'm um, I'm a Christian caller. Okay. And um I'd just like to kind of make some comments. Okay. About the difference between Mormonism and Christianity.
1: Okay, be quick.
2: Alright, so so <laughs> I think that Mormons think that they believe in the right Jesus. Yeah. Or, but they don't because like they Joseph Smith has um has said that that he believes that he is higher than than God and that he has the right authority yeah. to um to tell everybody what to what to believe in yeah and um oh gosh <laughs> and um hey and
1: Vanessa you know, those yeah. two points are worth their weight in gold, and you never know. Someone could have hear those, or they're going to hear them on YouTube, or whatever, and it might change perspective. So I appreciate you sharing them, okay?
2: Yeah, but, um, <laughs> but even Mormons on, they? can look in their church history, and yeah. they can find all of these facts about people, and about Joseph Smith, and about Brigham Young, and what they did, and how many wives they had, and, they, and Mormons doubt what they've done.
1: Exactly. A good point, and we're going to share with you a a thank you for calling so much, Vanessa. Go to www.utlm.org, and you can find out all those historical facts right there from the own church records. we got 10-year-old Laura, who's been waiting on the line. Laura, you're on Heart of the Matter.
0: Hi, Sean. I just wanted to say something about um, the comments that you made at the beginning of the show about the Mormons saying that they're back about the world, because I just thought that that was funny because... The Bible tells us to be set apart. Yeah. And I, I also wanted to say something about um, the Mormons, like not admitting that they did something wrong, like that they're perfectly fine because God didn't come for Jesus didn't come for the people who were clean. He came for the people who were dirty, so yeah. so he could clean them. Like he was like the medicine. Like you don't give medicine to somebody who's healthy. You give. And I've been to somebody who's sick, so um. I just wanted to comment on
1: that. You know what, Laura? That is such a breath of fresh air, and that is so well put, and I really appreciate your sweetheart and calling and sharing that with us. Okay,
0: thank you. Th- uh, my family loves
1: your show. Thanks for watching. Say hi to your family. Okay. Okay, bye. Okay. You know, it's uh, really from the mouth of babes because uh, she hit it on the head, and part of the problem with the legalism which which Ray would not admit to of sabbath day and temples and in the dress code and the haircuts and the and the appearing so is that they actually start to think that they just need Jesus as like the sin janitor To come in and sweep up when they make a little mess of, oh, I told a lie and come in and sweep it up. But by their own virtues and their own righteousness, they don't need the medicine as much that other failing people do. And Laura pointed out really beautifully that Jesus came for us. He came for the fallen and the lost because because the fallen and the lost are humbled. We are humbled by our own inadequacy and inefficiency. We're humbled by the the failures that we are constantly making, and we're humbled by virtue of knowing who God is and seeing his glory and his power and his uh, omniscience, and we understand the true and living God because he's in his word and he reveals himself, and so you have this picture of the true and living God who sent his son, and you understand who he is, and then you look at yourself, and you say, dear God, save me, you see, but when you don't have a picture of the true and living God, and you think He was once a man, and you think He progressed to become God, and that He has wives and He's uh, all these other things, and then you look at yourself and you think you're gonna get to be a God like Him, then you don't view Him in the correct way. You view Him kinda like, you know, a guy you're gonna suddenly be like, maybe even in competition with. And so then you start to react that way and your humility is lost and your pride takes over and you're lost to this world. The other point that, that she made was so beautiful and she said, you know, we're supposed to be apart. We're supposed to be set apart. We're supposed to be peculiar. We're supposed to be different from this world. And it just shows you the duplicitous nature of the Mormon church when they do these ads and they are showing... They, the sole purpose is to look like they're so part of the world. You know, I can't believe that they would spend money on that. So... Um, Let's go. Uh, We're not going to get to you, Bradley. There's no time. Melvin has a few questions. And uh, really quickly, since leaving the church, I decided to follow God and live by the Bible. Now do I need to be rebaptized because I am non-denominational? And uh, you know what, Melvin? Uh, Baptism is an outward indication of an inward faith. And I can tell you that when you become a Christian, you submit to baptism because you love the Lord and you want everyone to know that there comes with it tremendous for lack of a word, power, spiritual blessings, because you are being obedient to what uh, the apostles and Jesus told us to do. So if you aren't baptized by some reason, that's okay. You're saved by the blood, not by the water. But nevertheless, if you can be, I would suggest you do. Now, listen. remember September 4th from 5 to 9, uh, Bountiful City Park, our burning heart. We're gonna have Adams Road there and uh, stay tuned. You can also go to our website, www.hotm.tv to watch past archive shows. We'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter.